Hey, this is Don Felder, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John Caddick. Hey, y'all, what's up? This is Chris Robertson from Blackstone Cherry, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Artemis Pyle from Leonard Skinner, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Episode 473 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 473, we're pleased to once again welcome to Iron City Rocks, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, uh, one of the classic lineup members of Leonard Skinner, Mr. Artemis Pyle. Artemis, um, in 2020, uh, released a film entitled Street Survivors, The True Story of the Leonard Skinner Plane Crash, which is a, um actor-portrayed version of his recollection of the events of that famous uh, plane crash. I won't get into too much of the details, as it's much better to hear it from the expert himself. I had the privilege of talking to him um, right around the anniversary of the plane crash, um, so he was in a, definitely an insightful state of mind. It is... Really a great guy to talk to. Really, really enjoyed talking to him. Also, the film has a soundtrack, which uh, features music um, kind of in the, the style, you know, without getting into all the licensing detail of using Leonard Skinner's music. Um, the music does feature some really great... Uh, there's a Rick Derringer version of um, a Skinner classic. Also, some performances by uh, two of um, Artemis's sons, Marshall and Chris, Play music on the soundtrack, so we're going to play a little bit of uh, of the music from the soundtrack. We're going to get into that uh, rather extended conversation. Artemis was so gracious with his time to talk about the film, uh, so want to jump right into that conversation. <laughs> Welcome back to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Artemis Powell. How are you doing, Artemis? Hey, John. How's it going, man? It's going very, very well. Thank you for, for joining us again. Um, excited to have an opportunity to talk to you about uh, the film Street for Survivors, the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Obviously not a, uh, a fun topic, uh, but an important story to tell, obviously. What, what kind of brought you to the point where it was time to... to to put your story to film? Well, I, I'd wanted to do it for years to make a film about the whole band and the whole story. And, you know, um, I asked Judy Van Zant and Gary Rossington and their management company, Vector Management out of Nashville, I asked them to come to the table and uh, make the film with me. And they decided to um, attack me with uh, attorneys mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, we eventually were able to finish the film. We, we the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, three judges unanimously voted uh, Jimmy down. I said that I would have to tell my own story that's first to So we all made that. So that's, that's how we were able to get the movie done um, with all the lawsuits and, and a lower budget than most people have for doing these things. Right. Um, but I have wanted to do it for years. I have heard that um, Judy was approached even by Ron Howard um, to make the film, which, you know, just think about that. Ron yeah. Howard would have made the killer film. Yeah, it would have changed the budget, I'm <laughs> sure. You know, well, yeah, but she, she wanted all the money mm-hmm. and all of the control and uh, she wanted the movie to only be about Ronnie. And if you were to talk to Ronnie Van Patten himself, <clears throat> the first thing he would say is the movie should be about the band, the whole band. Um, you know, you can always take Ronnie and do the life of Ronnie Van Zandt. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you've got, you know, you got three movies. You got a, you got a miniseries there. Um, but anyway, we, um, I had to make the movie. All, all of this is to explain that I had to make the movie from my point of view. Right. Um, when Cleopatra Films asked me to meet them in Nashville, I thought they were going to ask me and my band to write music for a movie soundtrack. That's kind of the vague understanding that I had. But I, I drove up to Nashville. They flew in from L.A. Um, you know, two minutes into the conversation... Uh, the meeting, I realized that they they wanted to to do the movie of the plane crash, and you know a light bulb came on <clears throat> to me, and I thought, well, you know, this is the opportunity to tell the story because you know uh, I'm not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. I'm 73. I still play like I'm 30, and I'm hard as a rock, and I'm strong. Uh, thank God, you know, um, I've worn my mask. I've gotten my vaccines. I've been very careful. I didn't get the, the COVID. So, you know, I, I'm playing as strong as I've ever played in my life, and I'm having more fun doing it. Um, but the, I felt that this was the perfect opportunity to get the story told and let fans know what happened to us on that fateful night. The story's been told by all the band members, that you know, in, in interviews here and there and little, sure. little tidbits. But this is a live-action film. It's not a documentary. Um, it's you know got actors and actresses portraying uh, the band, and uh, they did an incredible job. Um, I was so proud of them. I met all their mothers and fathers the night we walked the red carpet. Just before COVID hit, on February 17th, we did a red carpet run in Los Angeles, because my band, we had just played for, with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Not ZZ Top, but right. Billy and one of the other bands. Sure. We played in Vegas. So they rented me a really fast Mustang convertible, brand new. I, I haven't driven any of these new cars. And this thing was amazing. And I drove it to L.A., got there in time for the red carpet, met all the mothers and fathers of the actors and actresses. We, You know, it was incredible. Everybody loved the film. And then I got on a red eye and flew back to Nashville 
rehearsed with my band a couple of days, and then we basically went to Florida and got on that ship that we do every year to raise money for the Native American Heritage Association. Mm-hmm. And when we came back to America, when we got back off the water, we were out four days, you know, and 65 performances, um, 25 bands, uh, eight different stages. And it's it's incredible. We love it. We didn't do it this last year because of COVID. But anyway, when we touched back to America and got off the ship, that's when COVID hit the fan. And that's when we released the album and the, the soundtrack. And as you well know, doing a VN soundtrack, it's it's not easy anyway. Yeah. Uh, but doing it, you know, d- during COVID, um, we kind of got passed over a little bit. We did get some awards, some People's Choice stuff and everything but you know the whole world suffered through this covid um uh, pandemic and so you know i'm not whining uh about us not getting enough recognition for our movie and our soundtrack because it stands and it'll stand the test of time and if people don't you know didn't get it in the last year and a half it's out there yeah and one thing i want to say john if you don't mind me in uh in for a second I want to just say that I do not make money from this film. I'm not out here trying to sell Leonard Skinner fans any. I play this music because I love music. I don't pay, you know, to, ju- just to get paid. Of course, anybody likes to get paid for their work, you know. And and to me, I've never worked a day in my life because I've been a, a drummer. When I ran bulldozers, I loved it, so I wasn't even working then. When I flew airplanes, I loved it, so I wasn't working then, you know. So I've never worked a day in my life because I've loved with a passion everything I've ever done. And so I'm not getting a big, you know, a, a bag of money right. for doing this movie and doing the soundtrack. Now, the people that wrote the music, um, my sons wrote three songs, uh, um, my youngest um my middle son, Marshall, wrote a song, so they have four songs in the movie. My band wrote a song. Uh, my friends up in Nashville wrote a beautiful instrumental piece. So the the soundtrack is really award-winning. I think it's a Grammy award-winning soundtrack, whether anybody ever hears it. I know it's beautiful. And we worked very hard on it. So, I, you know, if anybody that wrote the songs, if their name is on the song, they get a royalty, you know, uh, if they kept their publishing, which everybody pretty much did. Right. Um, and so they, they get a little paycheck every once in a while for the movie selling. But I don't have my name on a single song. I just, I, I made it happen, but I didn't try to take credit, you know, uh, for something that I didn't do. I could have easily said, hey, can I put my name on there? Um, Ronnie yeah. Van Zandt's rule was give credit where credit's due. And I believe in that. And I would never do that. It's called plagiarism, you know, right. putting your name to other people's stuff. So I was able to pull all these incredible people together. They did the soundtrack, Cleopatra Films and Brian Pereira and his um, lieutenant, um, Tim Yasui, our director, Brian, uh, excuse me, um, Jared, Jared Cohen. Um, he did an incredible job directing and putting, I, I gave him the kind of screenplay and 22 hours of uh, basically testimony. And then he wrote a script from that. And, um, and then we went to work. 
Yeah. So um, I'm proud of everybody involved, our our attorneys that defended us. You know, a lot of companies like Cleopatra would have thrown in the towel and said, I'm afraid of Judy Van Zandt and her $1,000 an hour blood-sucking weasel attorneys in New York City. You know, um, they could have they could have said, Artemis, you know, we, we, we can't do this. Right. But they hung in there, man, and, and we won. And the movie's finished. I'm very proud of it. We only had a million eight hundred thousand dollar budget and judy spent two and a half million dollars trying to stop us from doing trying it so it's 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 ironic isn't it yeah and, and i think that the, the thing that's kind of sad and i'm not a lawyer don't want to be a lawyer don't want to get in the, the weeds with the lawyers but you know obviously you you did a very good job in the film in in presenting it as your perspective so you're not trying to you know every everybody's got a different perspective on an event when something happens you know, two people walk away with slightly different stories, but you're very, very forthright in that. But it's not a movie about you necessarily. Um, it's about the band. Um, you're very respectful of of how Ronnie is portrayed in the film, uh, and, and I've always sensed you've had a, a, a very high opinion, reverence for Ronnie and Ronnie's legacy, um, which makes it, I think, all the more shame that you had to get, you know, go down in the mud to get the film made. Um, but Yeah, uh, you're totally right, and thank you for that. We did have to go down in the mud. I do have, you know, yesterday was 44 years. Mm-hmm. Yesterday at 6.30, you know, uh, it was a beautiful day here in North Carolina, and I was thinking about my friends, which I think about them all the time when I'm playing the music all over the country with my band. As we're going through the set and each song, I think about them every night. You know, and so I don't, you know, I I finally decided at the 40th year anniversary of this or remembrance of this occasion, I was in Chicago at a show, you know, um, at this really beautiful theater called the Arcata. And I decided that 40 years is long enough to be sad. Yeah. And I didn't want to be clinically depressed around this time of the of the year every year. It would get me down. I'd have to go out in the woods and walk around by myself and stay away from people because I was just so, you know, morbidly sad and and clinically depressed. Um, And now, you know, that was 44 years ago, yesterday, and and I I walked through the minutes. You know, I I was never knocked unconscious, but I've decided at, at the 40th, uh, occasion, Mark, that I'm going to celebrate the music. I'm going to revel in the music. I- I'm going to be happy with my eight children and grandchildren that are brilliant in spite of my dumbass. Hmm. Um, you know, I get to play music with them and write music with them. Uh, I'm the drummer in my son's band. I'm in five bands. You know, my my main band, APB. Uh, that's you know, uh, we, we travel all over the country. We bought a a beautiful bus. Our keyboard player bought Lenny Kravitz's bus, the, the bus that Lenny Kravitz uh, designed. And it's a beautiful bus. We keep it clean as a pen. Uh, we run a tight ship. It's pearl white. We call it pearl. And it'll do 100 miles an hour. So, you know, th- this thing, um, we, we use it as a home away from home to get to the gigs because we'll, we'll travel 20 hours in one direction, play one show, and travel 20 hours home. You know, last week we played in Minnesota and Iowa. The ride home 
was 24 hours coming to Nashville and dropping off a couple members. So nobody in the business does what I do and what this band does. You know, they, they want to have a brand new bus and they want to, you know, have 10 gigs in a row or they won't even think about it. And they want it, you know, the big bucks. And we take Skinnerd music into the smaller areas, places that uh, Judy's band won't go because they won't pay them enough money. Right. You know, and, and Judy's Judy's band is, Gary's not in that band. There's only Gary and I left. Gary is off the road because they pushed him, they, they worked him almost to death. And he's had seven heart attacks. Now they're on the road calling it Leonard Skinner. There's not one person in the band that can justifiably call themselves any anything close to Leonard Skinner. You know, for Ronnie Van Zant's not your lead singer. It's not Leonard Skinner. Yeah. So my band is a tribute. I would never call my band Leonard Skinner. You know, it is a tribute to Ronnie, his era, his music, and, and his band. And we do it with... Uh, you know, great accuracy and honor, and 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 a, and a really reverent regard for the music. Um, I might add that my guitar players Jerry Lida and Scott Rains were um, so happy to go up to um, Nashville, Tennessee, on three different occasions, and and sit all day with Ed King, and and he taught them the the guitar parts. You know exactly how they're supposed to be played i mean they got to sit with the master yeah absolutely and and then then we lost ed you know so we play it with respect honor and accuracy and i suggest anybody ever want to come and see you know app you will be it'll put a smile on your face and we rock it's from the heart uh we're not trying to sell you anything we have some merchandising but it's it's not that like that stuff on the big tours where they sell you all this gaudy stuff that you're going to buy and then take home and put in a drawer and never wear. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you've got so, to make payments uh, on a T-shirt. I'm very proud of, proud of my guys. Yeah, uh, it, it, it is great to, to see you do that. Um, and, you know, I mean, how many bands, I kind of lost count, that – you know, a member with your legacy with a band would go out and be the only person that would be even close to an original member and call it the band. You know, you're not out there saying you're Artemis Powell's Leonard Skinner or, um, you know, you know, trying to make it, you know, that you are well, the band I mean, that's I, no longer. I do count on the fact that Leonard Skinner is used in my advertising. Sure. But I certainly am not calling, um, you know, the Artemis Powell band. <clears throat> we are. And I don't even, I like All Points Bulletin better than Artemis Pile Band, but promoters always wanted to use the name because it, there was some recognition. Sure. And we could get some more, you know, tickets. But, but I, you know, um, the, the fact that we had a plane crash, we didn't break up, you know. Yeah. Um, we, we had a plane crash, and that band would still stand today. And yeah. there was one Leonard Skinner, uh, a lot of people in it. And Ronnie, but Ronnie was the leader. He, it, it, when he was out front, that's Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Anything other than that is a tribute, and that's exactly what I call, you know, our advertising is a tribute to Ronnie Van Zant's era, Leonard Skinner band. You right. know, and then we play the music so good, and then you know, there's one song we do that's not Skinner, and of course that's the one we wrote for the music for the uh, the uh, soundtrack. That's, right. 
and it's the title track, Street Survivor. And when you hear that song, it, I we play it with fire and power. And, and I play it the same way I play all the Leonard Skinner songs. You know, and we used to have Bob Burns in the band with us, so the two real drummers of the real Leonard Skinner both inducted in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. together on the same night. You know, but Bob was killed in a car wreck. We lost him. But he was with this band, and it was very powerful. But, you know, we... We do a a long show, we end with Freebird, and we put in there without explaining it, or except for this is a song from the movie soundtrack. And then we do the song, and Scott Rain sings it, and there's beautiful southern harmonies, there's beautiful guitar southern rock harmonies. I I channel John Bonham, you know, from Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. I I got him in my mind, and I said, man, I'm going to play this song like, like John Bonham, and uh, and I and I channeled and and I I asked the band members and crew members. I said, if you guys think of an, a lick that I can execute, and you think it would be cool, tell me. So you know, four or five of the guys came forward and said, "Well, Artemis, what if you did this right there?" You know, and I said, "Well, I can. I so I can execute anything you can dream up." So they were saying all this stuff. So I put all of their suggestions together with my own you know variation on a theme and i laid into it man and we spent 15 hours in the studio cutting that song i put it up against any southern rock song from any southern rock band ever in the history of whatever we are yeah i mean and that's the, <laughs> let me ask you this when when you when the time came time, were you involved at all in the casting? Like when when Ian was selected to play you, and I think he did a phenomenal job. And you, you know, if you made the film a little bit grainy, I would think it was actual footage of you in some spots. Was was that kind of surreal to watch? You know, someone be Artemis on the screen. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, at, at first, of, of course, the, the, there's a lot of that, like like. You're looking at it and you're going, man, you know, um, that's that's supposed to be me. And Ian did a great job, and I, and I love him. You know, the, all those guys are and the girls, they're all actors. So, you know, we were in touch for a long time. They had my number. They could call me 24-7 and ask me, well, what would Leon do in this situation? Yeah. What would Billy say? What would Ronnie? And, you know, and, I, and I'd give them the best answer that I could, you know, and uh, so... But I wasn't involved in the, the actual um, end result. But they would send me some of the um, the um, what do they call them? The profile tapes. You know, each actor has a reel, yeah, and yeah. they would send me some shots from, and and I would go, oh, that that looks like Steve, and oh, that's cool. That looks like you know me, and uh, but the one thing about it, uh, the, the Ian and the and Taylor. Uh, Clift that played mm-hmm. Ronnie. I, I thought Taylor did a phenomenal job showing the grit of Ronnie. Yeah, you know, because Ronnie was a gentleman. He was a cool guy. But back in those days, all the drinking and the drugs and everything it it turns anybody into a crazy person. It turned me into a crazy person. Sure. You know, I, I'm a cheap date. I could do three shots of uh, Cuervo Gold. You know, and and I'm I'm ready. You know, oh my darling, you're so beautiful. Let me take you to the Casbah. You know. Uh, I get suave, suave and debonair, you know, but, but 
everybody has their own reaction to alcohol. So there was there was fighting, there was rowdiness, there was craziness. You know, uh, almost every night on the road. I, I mean, story after story of of you know, there, it always started with a blind, and, yeah. and then you know, Artemis. There was a blind, and then Leon, and then Ronnie, and then you know, and then so and so's in jail, and 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 it was crazy. Um, but but you know, when when the guys were home, and they were just you know, Ronnie was fishing. He was a gentleman. Uh, he he was calm. He was kind of shy. And and he, you know, he had a beautiful handwriting. Um, like a, my mother had a beautiful cursive, mm-hmm. you know, and she would write it looked like something out of you know, of the, the Declaration of Independence. Um, but Ronnie had that kind of a signature in his his writing. And I, I I thought it was so cool that here's this rowdy guy from the west side of Jacksonville, Florida, and yet he had this beautiful penmanship. And uh, he was a very, he had, you know, Ronnie would surprise you. And I roomed with him all over the world. I roomed with him on one of our tour buses. We had little state rooms. And I spent more time with Ronnie than his family did in the last three years of his life. And um, I loved Ronnie. And, uh, yeah, things got crazy sometimes. Sure. But, you know, Ronnie was a prolific writer. And... uh you know, he he was about doing the right thing, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, if any flag falls on the ground, you have to burn it. You know, he was he was definitely a patriot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, he was like the father figure to Alan and Gary and Leon and Billy because all of them growing up, you know, they had lost their fathers in some different way. And Ronnie was like a father figure. And I lost my father in, when I was in the Marines. I was a sergeant, and he was killed in a mid-air plane collision in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, you know, and, um, Ronnie was fascinated by that, that, you know, I had lost my dad, because he still had his dad, <clears throat> you know, Lacey. And then Ronnie was like a father figure to the rest of the band. But I was about the same age as Ronnie, and he couldn't whip my ass. <laughs> so we had a different relationship. You know, we had a different relationship. I was honest with him, and I think Ronnie appreciated and respected the fact that I was honest. Because after a show, you know, uh, Ronnie would go, well, how did we sound? You know, and the sound man or people around there, they'd go, oh, you guys were great. You know, and, oh, man, it was great. And everybody's saying, and and Ronnie would ask me, and I would go, well, you know, uh, there were some sloppy areas. The tempos got away from me as hard as I tried to hold you guys back. You know, we got to get Alan to stop doing Black Beauties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I said because everything was available back then. You know, uppers, downers. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a pot smoker. I was I was a, a a weed guy. You know, and and it's mellow. All the other stuff, you know, was just crazy. The synthetic stuff that just drives people crazy. I know what all those drugs are. I've done cocaine. I know what cocaine is. But I, did, I didn't. I don't like it. I don't like what it does. I've seen so many friends. You know, I can't believe people still do that crap. But back then, I'd smoke my weed. I'd be all mellow, and the guys would like drink everything in sight, and start, you know, whooping it up. Yeah. And there'd be food fights, and uh, it was Animal House, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love and miss every one of those guys because I knew their real souls and their. 
their spirits. Yeah. yeah. And they were really good people. They were really good people, man, and deserving people. The the entire band and their families, um, and they worked hard. Um, so you, you know, I could have I could have intervened or disagreed with Ronnie twenty times a day, but that was his band. Yeah, and I had to go along with some things that I didn't want to go along with. And then when it went too far, when Ronnie was punching band members in the face and knocking their teeth out, literally, you know, I would intervene and go, Ronnie, brother. <laughs> you know, what are you doing, man? You know, then he'd take a swing at me, and I can take a punch. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it would soon it would soon uh, dissolve because, you know, once Ronnie missed me a couple of times and I knocked him down, then uh, all of his handlers would, like, yeah. pick him up and go, Ronnie, Ronnie, are you okay? You know, when he started the fight. But, you know, it was it was definitely the thing about the fights. It did happen. But there were so many great moments and golden moments Yeah. that all of that stuff, it happened. It happens to a lot of people. But, you know, there were there was the times opening up for the Rolling Stones and and, and playing shows and getting to hang out with my heroes, people that are Carlos Santana. We did a bunch of shows with him. I was embarrassed that he opened up for us. You know, I was like, Carlos. And, you know, he would jam with us on Conga. You know, yeah. catch that man and Journey and, and Foreigner. They opened up for us when they were getting started because they were put with us because they knew that we sold out everywhere we played. And I, I'm still, you know, I still love those guys and that music. Yeah, and uh, you know, it it was it was a good thing, man. Is it is it the this final question? The film itself obviously has been you've. You've had cuts of it, I'm sure, for quite a while. It's been out for over a year now. Is it something that you, that is difficult for you personally to go back and watch because of the story, or is it something at this point you can kind of, I don't want to say detach, but maybe it doesn't hit quite as hard because it's been so much time now, and maybe you're more at peace with it, or is it something you, you know, you 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 have it, you're glad you did it for the rest of the world, but maybe it's not for Artemis to watch on a Saturday night or something. Yeah, um, I, I watched it when it first when I first got the final copies and they were sending me, you know, the prints. Um, and, and I and I then I got a final copy with uh, with all the music mm-hmm. and everything and we had to switch some things around. I asked them if, you know if they would make sure that this piece of music was heard and this and they did and, and I, I got the final copy. I, I watched it probably um 20 times hmm. and that was a, over a year ago and i i haven't watched it uh, recently and i certainly didn't watch it yesterday sure um because the 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 thing is that it gets me every single time and and uh, because i'm looking at a film about my family yeah and my friends and um my teammates and and so when I'm, you know, and I, I couldn't put any of the children in there because of, of lawsuits. I didn't want to, you know, mm. well, oh, here's Ronnie holding, you know, one of my children, uh, Marshall, when he was just born. And we, we did. You know, Ronnie and I swapped babies. I, I held Melody, and he held Marshall, and we were standing with the plane in the background. I'll, I remember it like it was yesterday. And because Ronnie always wanted a son, and he was holding Marshall, and he, Marshall was a little bitty baby. And, you know, and Melody was just born, and, and we were holding each other's babies and so proud, and it was just such 
we were on top of the world. Um, so, but every all twenty times I've watched it, it gets me. Yeah. And and it and when I say it gets me, I mean I become very emotional, usually during the sequence when we're crashing because it's it's real. I mean it mm-hmm. it, it really feels like a disaster is unfolding. And um, I I talked to one of my sons yesterday after we had rehearsed, and I reminded him, I said, at this moment, right now, we were in the air. And I said there was nothing that was going to stop what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. We were in the air, and we were going to crash. And, uh, you know, my son Chris had written a song in the movie uh, called Black Creek about the plane crash. And and so this has been about a, his, a part of his life. He's uh, um, he just turned fifty, and he's an amazing, handsome monster guitar player, drumming, songwriting crazy man. And he's a great father, you know. And and I, I love him. He's he's amazing. He was my firstborn, and uh, you know I he's he just turned fifty, and he went to to the mountains. He went to Denver, Colorado, with his son, my grandson Kaz. And they went out there and hiked in the mountains and went up to 15,000 feet or whatever it is. And uh, and I was talking to him yesterday, and I said, at this very moment, son, you know, we were in the air, and nothing was going to stop the sequence of events. And he said, Dad, he said, you know, you realize this, this, this plane crash has been a part of your life since you were in your 20s, but it's been a part of my life, my entire life. Yeah. And he said, that, that's why I wrote that song. And at that moment, man, I realized I'm alive. Yeah. I'm alive, and I'm happy, and I have everything to live for. And, and you know, playing this great music, and I've got this incredible family that has stuck with me. I've, I, you know, I've been accused of a crime worse than murder. I've, I've, I've been in, you know, three airplane crashes, multiple car wrecks and motorcycle wrecks. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I'm an idiot. You know. And I still survive, and I'm still happy, you yeah. know, uh, at this point in my life. And I, I, my son just brought it all to bear right there. Yeah, you know, by saying, you know, there's 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 a reason we're we're all here. So, if I had to change one horrible thing or one horrible mistake that I've made in my life, and one of my children would not be here if I had done something differently, I'd go through hell again yeah. you know just because this world wouldn't be the same without my children in it yeah and the moms are good people you know um i i'm just not a marrying guy i'm always on the road you know so i'm the one that was at fault with you know not being able to have a relationship with a woman you know and, and stay in a marriage it was all my fault and the mothers of my children are good people uh, well, two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different two, two podcast three, there. And that's, and that's not bad. Uh, but no, um, you know, I, I have no complaints, but I, I the movie does, uh, and I, I had to watch it by myself. I watched it with other people. Um, and when, when I say other people, it was family mm-hmm. and very special people in my life. I did watch it. And every everybody... You know, there's a sex, there's a certain place that that is just boo-hoo, you know, and uh, it it gets you. Um, but it it tells the story. It's accurate. Uh, we didn't, you know, 
We didn't get to use the right airplane, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, there were some things in the movie that we could have done better if we had a bigger, bigger, bigger budget, some location shooting. There were some things we could have done, blah, 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 blah. You know, I could go on and on about what yeah. if, could have, should have, would have. But the fact is, it, it's like the big Lebowski, you know, the dude. He says, man, this movie will stand, bro. You know, yeah. and I'm proud of it and everything about it. It's the way it came out. It's the best we could do under the circumstances. And, and I'm not saying that to diminish the movie at all. I'm very proud of it. And when I do, and I'm, you know, I'm going to watch it here pretty soon because I love the soundtrack. I'm just seeing, you know, when the names come up in the end, the credits, and I see that my father's name comes up, you know, a man playing my father. And I, I see a, a guy that was playing um, Ed King. I got his name in there. He wasn't on the plane with us, but it was important for me to, to get Ed and make him a part of this. And Bob Burns, and I talk about Bob in the movie. I said, uh, my line was, well, I'm, so, I'm sorry Bob you know, is not feeling well, but yeah, if you need me, I'm, I'll be there. You know, So I got Bob, I got Ed, I got my dad. You know, And at the end of the, the movie, they, they roll credits on all the, the, the um, movie soundtrack. And there's my sons. Yeah, that's got to be. Chris Pyle. Marshall Pyle, you know, and it's just, it's, it was a, a family effort. And I wish so much that Judy and Gary and Vector would have not tried to treat me like, you know, I, I was nobody and I'm, and a nothing, you know, I'm in the rock and roll hall of fame because of Ronnie Van Zandt. None of them are, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Gary is, of course, you know, Gary is, but none of the rest of that crowd, you know, is in the rock and roll hall of fame. I am because of Ronnie and the band. So, you know, I've, and I'm a pilot, you know, I'm a good pilot. I can fly anything from jets to reciprocals to hang gliders, you know. So I felt like I was qualified, you know, to tell that story. I've been in three airplane crashes, you know. I, I, I was on the plane that night. I, I said, Judy, I, I feel like I'm kind of qualified to tell the story. Yeah, uniquely like, qualified. My yeah. attorneys will be reaching out. You know, my attorneys will be reaching out to you very shortly. You know, I said, what? <laughs> me? Oh, yeah, I thought you loved me. <laughs> you know, and I miss Gary really bad because they keep Gary and I apart because there's there's more money for them to steal if Gary and I don't get together. Mm -hmm. If Gary and I got together, it would be a powerful thing. Believe me. And uh, and we would be, you know, we would make Leonard Skinner ethical again. Yeah, and, that uh, would be that would be something wrong. something to to hear and see. You know, if you could get the the attorneys of the world and the business management companies and all the things that make music a business, uh, and just let you know two souls that uh, make great music together do that without barriers. You know, that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. But uh, you, you put that so well, man. I, I, I appreciate your words because they, they carry a lot of weight. Um, I miss Gary. Um, my band is on the bill uh, for uh, breast cancer awareness this Sunday with Dolly Parton. Yeah. And you don't think that I wouldn't want to reach out? They've asked us to do Simple Man and Sweet Home Alabama. And... Dolly Parton's backup singers are going to be on stage with us. Dolly is the headliner. As I said, it's the Susan Komen uh, Foundation mm -hmm. uh, for uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. And uh, we're doing it at the 
Country Music Hall of Fame in at Nashville, a beautiful facility, yeah. state of the art, and, and it's this coming Sunday. And I'd give anything to call Gary up and say, hey, brother, uh, you know, come out and play these two songs with us and, and hang out with Dolly for, for a good cause. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, it, it's, I, I'm getting emotional just thinking about the fact that we, that it won't happen because I'd give anything because my band is better than his band, you know, and the people on stage, Dolly's backup singers that she's had for years, uh, plus her producer, Kent Wells, that has produced her albums. He's going to be playing guitar with us, you know, and we're, we're going to have just this unbelievable band on stage, you know, um, for these two incredible songs, backing up Dolly, and uh, for all the right reasons. Yeah, and it, that it, would... I'd give anything to call Gary up and uh, and say, "Hey, man, uh, come on down. You, uh, you you remember those songs? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, and and it wouldn't and it wouldn't wear him out. Yeah. You know, being on the road and going out and playing every night and yeah, all the, the sheds are being on the road. It is tiring. Yeah, and and it you know he's he's had seven heart attacks procedures you know and they they just pump him right back out there and uh you know to come out and be recognized and to be you know i, I mean everybody would love to see gary at that gig they yeah. would they give him a standing ovation i guarantee you i would introduce and bring gary out he would get a three-minute standing ovation and bring everybody to tears and and he deserves it because you know he is he's an amazing person and i and i i miss him i we yeah. were we were very close friends at one point yeah it would be and, an uh, amazing amazing but, you know, moment I, but i'm dreaming i'm just dreaming well dreaming. I, you dream then do and that's a hopefully you know before it's too late some of those bridges can be crossed fences mended um you know but I, well john i you know Everybody calls you John, right? Yeah. All right. So if they, if, if all these people that it sounds like I hate and I'm mad at, you know, I was mad. I'm not mad anymore, and I don't hate anybody. If if Gary and Judy and the rest of that, you know, not their lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I took pre-law in uh, college at Ohio State and uh, Tennessee University. But I'm not smart enough to be an attorney. You know, I get somebody's life in my hands and I forget about case law, you know, and lose the case and they, they, they go to the electric chair or something. I mean, I'm being melodramatic, but you know, I, I do what I do best. You know, I can run a bulldozer. I can fly an airplane. I can play drums and I, I love playing drums the most. But if any, if, if Gary or Judy walked up to my front porch out here in the country on my 50 acres, I got a barn. Uh, it's not a working farm, but it used to be, and uh, it's beautiful. If they walked up on my porch, I would open up the door, put my arms around them, give them a hug, welcome them into my house, and and uh, and then I'd pack a bowl. Yeah, that that would be a, an amazing amazing thing to see some of that, you know, you know, because I mean, you we all no one's getting any younger. Um, you know, neither of us, unfortunately, are getting any younger. And, you know, you, you, you'd love to see some of those things, you know, some of those walls come down and, you know, and have the opportunity to, to do something like what you said, at the, you know, this weekend to, to just, 
you know, because you you know something like that would be caught on video. It would be a great, you know, thing to have, uh, you know, a memory for a lot of people and for a great cause. You know, you know, it would be a wonderful thing. But but I wish you all the best. Obviously, somebody yeah, I mean, somebody has a plan for you with all you've been through to to still be doing it. Uh, you know, after all the the I'm gonna play drums till I'm 100. Um, and then I'm going to switch to stand-up comedy because <laughs> I'll, I'll have a lot of a lot of material by then. Yeah, you're um, like, like the Tom Brady know, they, of the drums. They, they, uh, huh? You're like uh, Tom Brady of the drums. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for that. What uh, I deflate my drums like Ringo <laughs> Starr in the cartoon when he he'd come out and blow up his drums. I, I wish I had a set of drums like that. Yeah, it'd you know, be worth a lot. Then I could deflate them after the show and put them in my pocket. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, if you're old enough to remember the Beatles cartoon, where yeah, they go yeah. and plug it in this little packet, it would blow up into a set of drums. Um, I love Ringo, uh, but you know they offered me um, that when they were doing their farewell forever tour. tour mm-hmm. You know, it was supposed to be like a, a year long farewell, but they were in their third year when pandemic hit. You know, just fleecing the fans, and uh, that's management. So, but but anyway, anyway. Uh, it's like they asked me, you know, they were working their way toward getting me to uh, come out on the farewell tour and join the band, me and Ed King. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, when Ed was uh, was with us. And, and you know, Ed was basically saying, I'll do it if so-and-so isn't there. He had demands. Sure. You know, and and so I didn't have any real demands except for the fact that if I'm going to come out, I'm not going to come on stage, you know, after Freebird and wave at the at the crowd like a party monkey. I want to play with my band at least seven or eight songs in mm-hmm. the set. You know, I'm not going to come out there and just be some monkey, you know, and wave at the crowd so that the vector management can say, see, Artemis came out and joined us. He approves of us. No, I don't approve of their methods. I don't approve of their, their uh, addition. You know, and so that's that's one of the reasons I'm not with that crowd is, you know, I'm not I don't agree with their, you know, and their accounting. Um, You know, I think members that put their time and their hearts and souls and their lives into being and making the music of Leonard Skinner and their children should benefit from that instead of all these lawyers going after the children's money every time a Leonard Skinner member dies. Mm -hmm. You know, that 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 pisses me off. But. As far as the band is concerned, concerned, I would go out there and I'd play seven, eight songs with them, and I'd take a bow with them, you know, and 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 everything. But they would never agree to that because they have tried for years to diminish my role. A week before I was inducted, got the word that I was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which, by the way, brought me to tears. And the first thing out of my mouth was, "Thank you, Ronnie." That's my funny. wife told me. Hey, you've just been inducted in the Hall of Fame. I just got the word. Tears came out, and I said, thank you, Ronnie. You know, uh, a week before um, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, that that process started, um, Vector Management had issued an order that I was not allowed to ever say that I was the drummer of Leonard Skinner. You know, (laughs) I was was like, right, oh, yeah, okay. Um, First of all, I am the drummer of Leonard Skinner, and, and you know, and you guys can shut up. So they don't like me, and I understand why. 
Yeah, um, it's and, and so it doesn't bother me when they don't include me in something. But when they didn't include Ed King and Bob Burns, who without them, I don't know that the arc of Leonard Skinner would have been as what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, Ronnie Ronnie would have been Ronnie no matter what. But Ed and Bob Burns were very instrumental in, in catapulting this band. And when when they played the Fox Theater, of course they didn't invite me. They had Charlie Daniels and Cheap Trick and everybody do, uh, doing a song from our albums, playing our music at the Fox Theater. Mm-hmm. And my band felt sorry for me, so they bought me a ticket. And I sat out in the audience and watched all these different artists, you know, honor my band. And, and it was kind of cool. And um, But they didn't invite uh, Ed King or Bob Burns, and, and both of them were very close to, to Atlanta. Bob lives in Atlanta used to live in Atlanta and Ed was from Nashville which is just a few hours away yeah you know they they didn't invite them and that really pissed me off and uh yeah I you know they actually they put film of the old band behind them when they were doing free bird at the end of the night and they actually blacked out my face on the film um you know they they put a put a um pixelated my, my face, you know, the, which I think all that stuff is comical. To me, it's it's comical. You know, it's it's F- it's comical and, and it's sadness. You know, I'm not who I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, 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 you know, in the perspective of anybody who would care enough to watch the show, and I've seen the, the show you're referring to, know what your role in the band was. Were the people who poured over the liner notes and memorized it and knew exactly who was doing what on which album and you know exactly. so at the end of the day exactly. you know we're, you know the people who buy the records buy the tickets know the real story i mean no one's really fooled by you know the product right now so maybe oh, oh <laughs> a pixelating or blacking out my face <laughs> but you know that night i want to just add that night Gary Rossington's two daughters that I that are, were like my own children. I loved them. I was like Uncle Artemis, uh, Mary Elizabeth, and Annie Kathleen, and they they were grown women. And they came out in the audience to where I was sitting in the audience there at the Fox Theater, and they they were hugging me and kissed me and and tears in their eyes. And uh, Artemis, oh, it's so good to see you. Why aren't you backstage? Why aren't you on stage? Why why don't you come back on the tour buses? You know. And and how how do I explain that to them? I just said all I told them was I'd rather be out here watching everybody honor the honor the music, you know. And uh, and they 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 knew something was up. They knew that you know that I was being slighted, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to drag them into it. It's not their fault, sure. You know, but I was so glad to see them. You know, Barry's children. Yeah. And uh, it was it was kind of cool, but. Uh, what, what were you going to say, John? I, no, I was going to say... I've been no, doing these interviews and I... No, no, bro. I, just, I knew we, we'd been at it a while and I didn't want to keep you any further. I want to thank you for, for doing the show and talking about the, the movie. I'm sure it's not always an easy thing to kind of talk about, you know, such an event. It's, you know, an important and historic event, but certainly painful for you personally. So I want to thank you for, for taking the time to do it. Hopefully we'll see you in, in the western Pennsylvania area in 2022 hopefully touring is a little better uh you know and you can get out this way we'd love to see you always been a been a big fan and want to thank you very much well 
Oh, you're certainly welcome, man. And I love the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. It's so beautiful up there. I'm just a wussy, and I can't stand the the, he- the brutal winters. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I got to be, you know, where it's a warmer climate. Uh, but when I travel up there, you know, in the summertime and spring, it's it fall. It's it's so beautiful um, up in that area. Um, Three Rivers Stadium. One of my favorite movies is uh, Strike. Um, Strike distance. Uh, uh, striking uh, distance. Yeah, um, with Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis, yeah. because I get so many views of of the city and the river and everything. Striking, striking distance. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and but I, you know, I, one of my bands that I put together, I, I always try to stay in at least five or six bands, and uh, as I am right now, and and I I played the decade. Wasn't there mm-hmm. a club up there yeah, called the decade? Absolutely. And and I mean, shoot, man, Deborah Harry played there, and it was just a little hole in the wall. Yeah. But everybody, you know, the po- the police played there. You too and, played. Uh, <laughs> the, you, yeah, exactly. And then so uh, the Syrian mosque. Yeah, that was a wonderful, there, wonderful. Uh, I, played, I played the Syrian mosque, Three Rivers Stadium. I, I mean, I, I love the Pittsburgh area. I love the the river and the the mountains and everything. And uh, so, if there's ever anything that my band that plays Skinner music better than any band in the world. We people always love us. Uh, we always put smiles on people's faces. We're very easy to work with. We are a you know a combat unit, and um, if we we can ever do something to come up there and raise money for kids, or cancer, or AIDS, or the firefighters, or police, you know whoever needs a helping hand, you know in the community, um, please you know. Uh, sponsor us and get us up there, and I, I guarantee you, uh, yeah. we, we have have Lenny Kravitz's bus. We'll travel. Yeah, that's that's a motto there. All right, Artemis, thank you so much, and I, I wish you a great day and stay safe out there on the road, man. Thank you so much. Hope to meet you soon. <laughs> Thank Artemis Powell would be kind of an understatement. It was so gracious with his time. Uh, the man obviously has had an, an amazing career. Uh, several albums, several of the classic albums with Leonard Skinner. Um, you know, it was really, uh, I, I appreciated his time and insight into the band situation. Obviously, there's some painful business dealings that he was very forthcoming with. So I appreciate that uh, so, so much. Again, the film Street Survivors is a true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash. It's available now. You can get it on streaming. Uh, it's available to rent on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm sure many of the other streaming services have it as well. And as I mentioned, uh, also from Cleopatra, who is the uh, people who distributed the film, is the soundtrack, uh, which is available, which has got some cool music on it. So I invite you to check that out as well. You can check us out at ironcityrocks.com. We're on all the social medias. We are for slash ironcityrocks. We invite you to drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what kind of music you're into, what kind of interviews you like, what kind of things you don't like, things you uh, would like to hear on the show, maybe a band that we've never talked about, uh, maybe a band we've talked about too much. Uh, you know, 
honest uh, feedback always appreciate always appreciated so uh, want to thank all of you so much for listening and until next time take care